Happened in the 90s. Matt was the fat kid, Steve was the flat kid. Life wasn't always great, but you know what was? The 90s. Happened in the 90s. Yeah! Tonight. Oh no! It's Thanksgiving again! When a bite sized burglar breaks in and steals the holiday feast, this is one little turkey that could find himself in hot water. I eat kids like you for breakfast. That explains a lot. Babes, an all new episode next. It's Stringer Bells, Steve. I mean. For the uninitiated that are not coming in right now, obviously because we just hit record, I was telling Steve about drinking a weed lemonade and how awesome it was yesterday and how I'm going to do it again and watch the Idris Elba, uh, I guess, animal action movie, Beast, that's on, It's it was a theater movie, Steve, but now it's uh, available on Peacock, so. Have fun um, with that. I will say that if Brock Lesnar replaced Idris Elba and was just bodying up a lion, I would love that. I mean, it would be fitting. He is the beast. Heyman's just in the car. Just really. My just... client <laughs> yeah, would just... like to fight a lion. He did a promo, I guess. I don't know what it is, but it was like WWE Extreme Rules. But Paul Heyman was part of it, and it was classic Paul Heyman stuff that I saw the other day. I loved it. He's like, I'm Paul Heyman. And for once, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> and then it's, you know, I don't know what extreme rules are anymore, but look pretty cool. One of the best talkers in all of wrestling history, man. Uh, uh, overcooked gas station wiener, he looks. But yeah, with the ponytail, he, he still has the ponytail, which is even crazy. Uh, no, he doesn't. He no? no, he doesn't. He's got the horseshoe. He's got the um. Actually, I think he's straight up bald now. For a while, I want to say he had the horseshoe, but no, nah, he's, he's been be, bald. Steve, but you can be bald on top and still rock the ponytail. Is what I'm saying, and I think that's what nah, he's he, doing. Nah, I watch it more than you, Matt. The man ain't doing that. He's not. He's not doing the. The, the ratty uh, adult store owner. <laughs> the ratty adult store, the video arcade. Yeah, he's always wearing like triple goose downs or trench coats when it's summer, too. Well, I'm going to type in Paul Heyman 2022. And what I'm seeing is definitely something that is much older and balder than what I saw on TV. So it must have been some old footage, Steve. <laughs> My client would like more pornography films. Paul Heyman, though, I gotta say, he's starting to look more like Kingpin. He's 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 widening out a little bit, Steve. He, he was never like known to be a looker. Honestly, maybe Brock's giving him a little bit of the whatever horse meat he's eating. Man, it's not all he's eating. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Dude, so, I'm gonna like, watch it, Steve. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. What were you saying? Yeah, have fun with that hunk of junk. But uh, I'm sure you've heard this theory about 
the dad from Malcolm in the Middle and like how that segs into Breaking Bad. Like that was his life before or after Breaking Bad. Brian Cranston's. Yeah, I've sure heard, yeah. Heard I mean, I definitely, when Breaking Bad was a thing, I remember people saying that shit. Well, I got a brand new theory for you and it's 90s related. Okay. Take a gander at this. Take, 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 take a gander at this. Take, take a gander. Take, check this out. So, Red Foreman, after, at, when the 80s kick in, Red Foreman, he leaves Wisconsin and then he moves to Detroit, becomes a drug lord, and he kills a cop mm. named Alex Murphy. <laughs> I love that. Where, but see, here's my thing, Steve. Where's uh, where's the wife and all this? Is she like a queen pin? He left all them hoes in Wisconsin. Nice. He changed his name. He changed his name. I mean, it all kind of lines up time-wise because that '70s show was in the '70s. RoboCop was it in the '80s? Because I thought it was RoboCop... in the '80s. Okay. They they made a sequel in the '90s. But RoboCop, yeah, it was in the 80s, man. Uh, so, yeah, man, he left all that shit. Left all, like, left that whole life behind. From from Red Foreman and to Clarence. I mean, he had to fucking sit there in a house full of kids fucking and sucking each other in the basement. He's walking in. He's trying to fuck his own wife. You know, Red Dumbasses. Foreman. Yeah, exactly. He was salty already. He probably got into some shit. You know, Red's a... A go-getter yeah. in the show. He's a he's a, a capable salesman. So. And he got in when the getting was good. He's oh, yeah. like, you dumbasses! I got the recipe for crack. I'm out of here. I'm gonna become Clarence Boddicker. I got the muscle to shove enough of this factory so far up your stupid wop ass that you'll shit snow for a year, dumbass. We might be unfolding the the a whole new show where we seg previous roles character roles into another brian cranston that uh, becomes hal from malcolm in the middle to becoming uh the the heavy in breaking bad fucking red foreman Lee's wisconsin and the foremans to become a drug lord in detroit uh fucking mr feeney uh he he stops being the voice of fucking uh hasselhoff's car and he becomes a teacher somewhere in Philadelphia. Uh, and he teaches Corey and Sean. Balky left Cousin Larry in whatever city they were in, went over to L.A., got that job with that fucking movie producer in L.A. and got connected with all that true romance shit. You know, he was doing some blowski. Now you smell me. Now <laughs> yeah, you dude, me. I like this. This is some kind of... Uh, Remember the movie Be Kind Rewind with Jack Black and, uh, and Most Def? Yasin yeah. Bey. Uh, I think we could do that with this, Steve. You and I can kind of take that um, just way of remaking movies and do We're going to connect the dots here. The 80s and 90s are connected. We, we never even saw it. It was right there in front of us this whole time. Everybody I mean, leaves the house. Patrick Duffy, I don't know. This is in the 90s, but his family, he's with Suzanne Summers fucking and sucking in Wisconsin. Maybe he gets fucking hooked up with Red. He's in on it too. He used to be Bobby Ewing. So he's got connections in Texas, down there in Dallas. Yeah, so yeah, he was Bobby Ewing. 
uh, Carol, she she was uh, sharing a house, sharing an apartment with two motherfuckers in the 70s. Uh, oh, yeah. and, you know what I'm saying? And just like, where are they? How you get all them kids? Yeah, Ritter, had, never Ritter, seen Ritter left and he was like, you know what? I got Sling Blade now. I'm going to take this, sl- this fucking slow dude and fucking have him hack you to death with a lawnmower blade. But before that, I'm going to adopt this crazy little boy. And we're gonna make two sequels out of it. Now I'm just gonna name. I'm gonna name him Junior. Junior Healy. Yeah. My dad's really gonna have a problem with it, but he's a cock, so whatever. <laughs> Dude, shout out the Problem Child though, because that's a level of ridiculous movie we're never gonna see again, Steve. It was like adult and kid and bizarre, especially the first one. There's some tonal things in the first one where it's like. You know, Michael Richards blasting a chick in a bathroom. Remember, like, that was there? Yeah. Junior was taping his babysitter fucking and projecting it onto a fucking, uh, onto his house. I mean, and charging for it. So. He was never punished. I mean, you can. It's a, he's in a, That's the thing. He's adopted. You can't punish your adopted kid. He's He's got problems. He's, you gotta he, get him he was already punished. Yeah. His parents didn't want him. That was punishment enough. I love it, Steve. Well, you're a genius. You always are. You constantly impress me with your great ideas, including this podcast. Um, and I think this is just another one. Another, you're like the Push. golden goose, Steve. You're laying golden eggs constantly. Uh, pushing that envelope, I am. Envelope, is that you in front of me? Uh. could get old if you stop playing. Game Boy from Nintendo. Hey boys and girls, this is Steve G and Mad G with Happened in the 90s, the show where we talk about what happened in the 90s. So uh, get out your Soundgarden box set and your Rushmore posters. You sexy motherfucker. Sexy motherfucker shaking that ass, shaking that ass, shaking that ass, shaking that ass. Sexy motherfucker shaking that ass, shaking that ass, shaking that ass. First, I thought you were just calling me a sexy motherfucker, Steve. I got, I felt we both are some sexy motherfuckers. We both feel like it, Steve. I live in Virginia. I feel great about my just physically. I'm, I'm. I might be, I might as well be Hasselhoff out there on the beach right now. Steve. You're the best looking Matt this side of McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. There we go. Hmm. I gotta say, pleasantly surprised. Uh, every time Step by Step comes up in my head, I don't get excited, Steve. But I gotta say, this one I know for you is very exciting. There's a certain you know lovely young lady's going crazy, and I know Steve loves him some Stacy Keenan. So, and this this is exactly how I met her. Party <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. She probably this, this level this. of chick lived. What was the place next to Bromfield? 
Anderson. Yeah, this was an Anderson broad, Steve. Yeah, shit, she was a frequent guest on Bromfield's floor, too. Yeah. The all-guy side. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, so, I, yeah, I when I saw, like, I didn't know what the story really was, but once I was watching this episode, I was like, man, Steve, he might be busting right now. I don't even know. I don't want to think like that, but I know he's Twice. enjoying himself. Twice. No no refractory period either. Just, <laughs> you don't need that. You're I, young, never, You're this is this is and this is Stacey Keenan fucking busting it wide open, Matt, at that in them dorm. And that's a big ass dorm. What kind of fucking even for like a sorority house, that's pretty posh. Where you in one of them Ivy League schools. Yeah, this is like that movie. Also, well, we'll get to it. But yeah, I like the um, idea of what college housing looks like in TV and movies. Let's put it like oh, that. I love it. Oh my goodness, just enough room <laughs> to fit our crew. Yeah. Well, hey, we're hey, talking about we... all things October thirteenth, and I cut you off, man. No, it's okay. I was just gonna say a masturbation joke, and I'm glad you saved me from the uh, from the humiliation, Steve. So go for it. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be another time for it to come again. Uh, but we're talking about all things October 13th in the 99s. And uh, uh, starting off in 1990, the Target Center, a multi purpose arena in Minneapolis, officially opens. And good luck getting any trophies inside of that Target Arena. But I will say, it's a posh looking fucking place. Target Arena. And this, this is the Target that we all know and love at this point, right, Steve? Uh, it's got to be, man, because to afford this kind of shit, that, that looks pretty dope. Uh, and this is where the Timberwolves play. Uh, I, I think there's a WNBA of uh, the Lynx. Yeah, the, the Minnesota Lynx as well. Um, but yeah, I think that looks pretty cool, man. It's just like uh, it looks like a fixture, like on some Times Square type shit. I mean, honestly, it kind of has that look of this, not really exactly the Staples Center, but just like the glass front and shit. Anytime a, kinda, an arena yeah. has that shit, yeah, it looks posh, I guess you want to call it. Definitely. For like a better term. I mean, it looks top dollar. Yeah, it looks expensive. And it probably was, but it's Minnesota. You know, if Minnesota. they have any extra money, it, you know, give it to them because there ain't a lot to do up there. They got the Mall of America. They got this, you know, it is what it is. Maybe a couple of fucking great restaurants, and that's about it, Steve. Probably some never great sturdy women, too. I've never met a Minnesotan, but uh, I bet they're, they they grow them pretty, pretty fucking stocky. And, uh, you know. If I was a betting man, I, I would think that the women in Minnesota, they look like just about every other uh, American League uh, Central Division fan. Uh, they they look like the Packers fans, who I'm sure look like the Mike Swirsky fans in uh, Chicago, uh, who look like the Detroit fans uh, eating the fucking uh, double daves and goddamn uh, Mediterranean. And uh, as well, who, who did I miss in that fucking division? Uh, Minnesota. You got uh, I got Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin. Oh, and, and Green Bay eating different kinds of cheese. Yeah, I mean, you, there's a certain you gotta keep you gotta keep it like it's a big lady, but it's a sexy lady. But they gotta it's winter time, you know. They gotta fucking they gotta keep it warm too, Steve. So they might be able to bench press you, but 
you know, maybe you're into that. I'm six. I'm over six foot tall. I, I, I like a woman that can push me around a little bit, Steve. I, I don't like a big bitch. Uh, and in 1991, uh, October 13th, uh, in living color, we are back. The one of the greatest shows, uh, greatest sketch shows of all time. Uh, we are in season three, episode four. And uh, we have new fly girl, Jennifer Lopez, a uh, new cast member, Jamie Foxx and Steve Park. Uh, and we start off with the first sketch and it's Jesse Jackson's children books. It's Keenan Ivory Wayans uh, doing his impersonation of Jesse Jackson and his his rhyme fest. Yeah, and he's he's trying to you know there's a lot there's Dr. Seuss books, Steve, but it's you know it seems to be sort of like these are for white kids, and this is sort of books maybe for for somebody a black kid. So instead of Horton hears a who, we get Horton hears a ho, Steve. Which uh, I want to, I want to read. Oh, first of all, before we even say all the titles, I want to read all of these books, Steve. You know, this is like a Quan Mills level of fucking. Oh man, this is the shit that you want to read right now. Top dollar. Yeah. So the crackhead in the and Keenan does a great Jesse Jackson. You know, I can't really do it. Just I can't do it. It's, it's very. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like Dusty Rhodes ish, like the cadence. Yeah. You know, but we also, it's a lot of, uh, Dr. Seuss puns. So Horton, here's a hoe, the crackhead in the hat, the Grinch who stole my stereo, hop on a cop and the namesake of this episode, green eggs and government cheese. Steve. All for the price of forty nine ninety five. Uh, I, I like that crackhead in the hat one in particular. <laughs> yeah, I like. I mean, like I said, let's get a box set. Let's. I want to read these. You know, we need to get these out there. So we go right into that. And uh, again, Steve, thank you for forwarding this. Uh, luckily, I did read the IMDb page and found out that they cut this from the actual episode I was able to watch. But we get a LL Cool J "Mama's Gonna Knock You Out" spoof, and this isn't LL Cool J, Steve. It's LL Cool JJ. JJ. <laughs> Double it's J. a Jimmy Walker spoof and uh, also uh, something to mention Sean Wayans who went the first two seasons as SW1 uh, the DJ on the show he's now a cast member and uh, this is his early brilliance man uh, uh, him Sean Wayans as Jimmy Walker doing an LL Cool J Mama's Gonna Knock You Out parody and towards the end uh, Kim Wayans plays Florida Evans and she has these high ass Patrick Ewing shoulders <laughs> and uh, it's fucking great man <clears throat> yeah Sean Wayans does kill it I, I did not catch that this was when he transferred into the actual cast but I did yeah. notice that he was not the DJ because I they had the um, musical Twist. guest yeah but uh, hilarious JJ Walker Mama's Gonna Kick Me Out is the name of it. Um, check that out. And then we go... This is a sketch I forgot about. These Jama This Jamaican family, the Headley. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. And uh, in this one, as always, the Headleys, it's a family of Jamaicans. Everyone has at least three jobs, Steve. They all got three jobs or more. Maybe even more than that. I gotta be the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. <laughs> And they have a restaurant now. Uh, they're serving the public. 
they're all uh it's a family owned business so they're all doing every job in the in the business and they have you know a couple of complaints maybe they're taking a little too long a lot going on and they have these neighbors and they're called the wands and i first of all before we even get into the story is this the exact same couple that was in Don't Be a Menace to South Central in the convenience store? Or is it just the lady? Because I definitely know the lady was... The, the lady is definitely that. Uh, Steve Park, he plays this role well. And I believe Steve Park was the guy from uh, Do the Right Thing. Okay. Um, uh, where they're going to different races and everybody's just basically like sp- spitting out vitriol at different race at each race. Um but they're but yeah, hilarious. Steve, Sorry. Oh, yeah. And even when he's putting down my people, he's saying it in that Asian voice. I found it quite hilarious. <laughs> uh, just like he did in Do the Right Thing. Uh, double A Mickey Ficky motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it. it's wild that this was on TV. Like now, if you show somebody this now, their head would explode. Uh, but they're getting into arguments. Uh, uh you know, the dads of both families and the Wands, who are the Asian family, they're like stealing business. They're selling fruit to the people waiting for their food. They're selling them fucking flowers. You know, they're selling them everything. They're fucking selling them a good time, whatever. But they're taking business away from the Headleys. And uh, yeah, it, uh, it gets crazy. Uh, but they're kind of going toe for toe. And they're like, we got this guy. We got this guy. But the Wands, they got the ultimate trump card, Steve. Because they got a cousin, Juan Valdez. And he even got the donkey and the fucking (laughs) coffee beads. So, drop the mic, Steve. Yeah. And even Damon Wayne said, he went a long way for that joke. (laughs) They cannot work us. They'll work 24. They work 24 hours. We'll work 25 hours. Like, how do you? You can't work 25 hours. It now, got tree ne- job, Steve. Tree. Oh my God. I just want to share right quick, man. Uh, there's a buddy of mine I used to work with at Fox named Byron. And uh, man, that's my dude. God bless you, man. Uh, but he has a heavy accent, man. He's from the islands. And uh, there was a McDonald's commercial talking about a double quarter pounder. He was like, man, they got the single quarter pounder, the double quarter pounder. <sighs> Why don't they have the third quarter pounder? And I just found that like that will never stop being fucking hilarious to me. Why don't they have the third, the third quarter pounder? I think they have those in San Francisco. You look close. You you fucking fuck with the employees. You're gonna get a third quarter pounder. For sure. Uh, Now, next up, man, this is the real reason why I picked this, uh, because whenever it's around uh, and if it's been a while, I can't pass it up. And it's the Funky Fingers production. Bam! Uh, Yes. (laughs) Clayville and Howard Dibbs the third. Yeah, and there, uh, there's just some uh, up and coming entrepreneurs, Steve. And Jamie Foxx, this is he's featured in this and he is. A guy with his newly uh, new wife, and they're trying to go on a honeymoon, but they don't got a lot of money, Steve. You know, yeah. Balling so on a budget. Funky Finger Productions with, uh, I guess now they're travel agents. I don't know. <laughs> uh. Budget <clears throat> vacations are us. Did I hear someone say knocking boots? <laughs> and uh, like, you know what? It, when they were like uh, things that make you go, hmm. You know, Arsenio stole that from me. Say what? 
Damn, Skippy. Billy no, Crystal did that stole little. stole that from me. Uh, Billy Crystal did that little home on the range thing. Man, Billy in town, he ain't crawling. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I forgot about this. is right up there with Cephas and Reese. He is one of my oh, favorite duos in this show, period. But, oh, my God, yes. Um, So, you know, this couple wants to go on a vacation. They can't go to the Bahamas. Uh, but Clavel and Howard Tips, uh, they're trying to sell them on a low-cost honeymoon. Uh, that's It's called uh, Round Rump Ranch, Steve, and it's it, conveniently right. located in Inglewood. Uh, the city of champions for a nominal fee of sixty two ninety five, and that gets you, uh, you know, accommodations at Round Rump Ranch. You also get a little. You can go over to uh, Booty Bay, Steve, which is a little adjacent little area. You know, you got to step over some trash because it's in a landfill. But you know what? It's a good time. Sounds. It fun. may stink to all be damned. <laughs> They also, they got a brochure, Steve. That's what you think. Because I think uh, Clavel pulls out like this piece of paper. He's like, we got a brochure here. And the guy's like, there ain't even nothing on this. <laughs> it's just He's like, yeah, but we, waiting, but we waiting for the pictures to develop. <laughs> That's where we're going to put the pictures right there on that. So, you know, they might not be successful right now, but they're trying, Steve, and that's all you can do. You know, a couple of failures, these guys are gonna luck up and be millionaires. By now, they're probably billionaires. But they, they show them a video of, of their uh, services, and it's a video of Tommy Davidson riding a grocery store mechanical horse, and he falls off somehow, and now he's being pulled on a rope by someone's nana. Um, <laughs> he's doing, He's going Philly chasing, Steve. He's on one of those quarter things. He's got rope. He sees a hottie go by, but you know he ain't a. He's not a cowboy, Steve. He's, he hasn't gone to cowboy school, so he ropes a big ass gray. <laughs> yeah, dude. That Tommy Davidson, whatever you want to call that, that's his signature dance. Yeah, great physical comedian. Oh, yeah. I never mentioned him. When we're talking about physical comedians, he doesn't get enough propers, man. Especially like in this era, early '90s, man. Have you ever seen? I mean, two. Uh, this is so ridiculous. I bring this, but it did happen in the '90s. Uh, did you ever see the movie with Jamie Foxx and Tommy Davidson called Booty Call? I have a while, <laughs> a couple times, a while ago. It's the stupidest movie, but. I used to bust to it because Vivica Fox is in it, and it's like basically two guys trying to hook up with two hotties all night, and just hilarity ensues. But Tommy Davidson in it, he does he does his little move. He does, but the physical comedy in that, it's not even like he's playing some crazy character. He's just a yeah. dude, but he just is hilarious. And I've seen him live. I saw him at the comedy store once, just do stand up. He does physical comedy during his stand-up, too. He's fucking still hilarious as fuck. Is that the same one with Tamala Jones? Uh, she's like her uh, her sidekick. Yeah, she's, she's got like braids in it. Um, I've always liked Tamala Jones. I mean, it's basically, yeah. dude, it's just basically these people are trying to hook up and like Vivica Fox and that chick are basically in bras and panties the whole time or dry humping somebody. So it's just, you know, it's funny. But you also get that, Steve. So maybe check it out. I mean, I've seen it. It's just been a while. Uh, 
but yeah, man, Tommy Lee Jones, Vivica Fox, especially in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, but then but, uh, we cut from that, Steve, to something that I do remember is one of my favorite things. And this is a Jim Carrey reoccurring bit called Fire Marshal Bill. Let me show you something. <laughs> and he's a oh, fire marshal, God. Steve. He's he's out here for the public safety. He's trying to teach people about fire safety. He himself appears to have been in many fires uh, fully. You know, he survived, but he's looking crazy as always. And he's on a cruise with his wife, which I never even knew he had. Steve, Angela, or uh, Ashley. Ashley. Um, yeah. And they're both, you know, maybe they got cooked a little too much, but he's still out here, Steve. And he's, he's on a cruise and he's trying to help people out even on the cruise. Well, the, a couple sitting next to him thinks that they smell bacon, and it's none other than Fire Marshal Bill frying himself with a magnifying glass, uh, and his wife Ashley, played by uh, Kim uh, uh, Ke- or Kelly Caulfield, and a great comedian actress. As um, always, as always, man, and uh, quicker than nothing, man, he lights her on fire. Uh, she asked for a light to uh, smoke her cigarette, and he just blows her away. And just <laughs> and she must have been, like, covered in gasoline, I guess. I don't know. but um, And basically, like all Fire Marshal Bill um, sketches, this is just an opportunity for Fire Marshal Bill to walk around and just, you know, politely teach people some lessons right then and there about fire safety. So, right, he, we, he already sets his wife on fire. Not a great look. But then he goes, and I think he sees Tommy Davidson. I forget who he's talking to, but he's like, let me, I think somebody's fishing. And he's like, let me tell you something. Did you know deep sea fishing can be one of the deadliest things you can do? Let's say you're out deep sea fishing. Next thing you know, you're covered in guts. And he just, you know, throws a bunch of bloody guts on himself, dips his hand in some water or something, and next thing, or jumps in, gets attacked by a, a shark, comes back up, He's got a little baby shark on his fucking arm and he's fucking he's that's a lesson steve <laughs> you don't want to end up like me yeah. yeah that's what he does man and then uh grandma's having a drink steve and he's like let's say you have a drink and then on your other hand you have a beaker of hydrochloric acid you're having fun you get mixed up next thing you know you're drinking some hydrochloric acid he takes it belts it down necks it and uh you know that could happen steve because i've been there many a times you're fucking around with some chemicals and you're like wait which one's which fuck it (laughs) you know and uh he takes this one like a champ i think he actually breathes fire afterwards it was hilarious (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like that cheat shot where the shit's like behind him it's not even it's coming out of his forehead it looks like in the shot but it is hilarious and he sets Granny on fire again. You know, not a great move for a fire marshal. And then I think we have one last lesson, Steve. Um, what was it? Oh, let's say you got a cake, or you're—it's something about terrorism. Or there's like a there's a bomb in a cake. He diffuses the bomb, and he's like, then you just dispose of it, and he throws it down this pipe. And the captain of the ship's like, you fucking idiot, that goes down to the engine room. Boom. Blows the ship up, Steve. God damn it, Fire Marshal Bell. Let me try. Man. 
his greatness, I, man. Don't they? They they end it on a like a lifeboat, I think. Because there's yeah. something else that happens at the end of this, but I do not remember. But Jim Carrey is always like this. This would have been the most bizarre. They should like how they made SNL movies like Night at the Roxbury. Make one of Fire Marshal Bill. Figure that out. I want to see that movie. Yeah. There's a couple they should make off a of living color characters, man. Uh, but we we close out with a performance by leaders of the new school performing teachers don't teach us nonsense um and i mean i don't know if you're aware but this was the beginning of buster rhymes uh this was his crew before he broke out into solo success man um and they're they're wearing early 90s shit yeah a lot of denim a lot of denim a lot of of overalls i think i saw it was a little cloudy on the video but there was you know a lot of Jordan. Some bedazzle. Yeah, some bedazzling on the on the shoulders. A couple uh, of like crazy, maybe backwards, not kangles, but some weird hats. Buster Rhymes liked some headgear for a while. He always had some shit on for a while. Maybe that was him. It's a part of his mystique. But in 1992, Prince, yes, that Prince, releases the album <laughs> Love Symbol album. Uh, and it's over one hour one hour and 14 minutes to be exact uh, it's got the singles sexy motherfucker uh, my name is prince seven damn you and the morning papers i mean i love prince <clears throat> i mean i we grew up in the, the, the Chappelle show sort of added this weird layer of mystique that he already had he's like was this elusive not secretive there's just like a weird thing he's a small guy flamboyant dresser fucked every chick possible could play every musical instrument possible super talented but also there was like the weirdness like he liked playing basketball he'd ball people up in basketball he's you know had this weird mystique kevin uh smith dealt with him and uh i don't know if you remember like in the early 2000s jordan had a couple of these where kevin smith he had they weren't comedy specials but they were like him doing live q a's and people would just ask him about his experiences and shit and he would just basically do these long shows where he'd tell like hollywood stories but prince actually asked him to make a documentary for something i can't remember what it was um but he asked him to come to his house and he was like it was one of the weirdest fucking experiences of my life because like i guess every room was wired for sound so you he could hit a button and record music in any room he said, and that was weird. And there was just like a lot of, it never really ended up coming out or anything, but he said it was one of the weirdest nights of his life. So stories is like that weird? is why I like Prince. Is it weird or is it genius? Pancakes. Do you want some pancakes? That Charlie Murphy though, Steve, that story in and of itself. So man, like Prince, how did you feel about Prince? Cause I'm, I wasn't uh, like emotional about it. I thought some of his shit was cool. You know, uh, when he uh, died? No, I just mean in general. Like, I, I can't say that I'm the biggest Prince fan. I'm a fan of Prince, but it just wasn't, like, a thing. I feel like a lot of people love the fuck out of some Prince. You know, he's almost up there with, like, Michael I, Jackson and shit. Oh, he is up there with Michael Jackson, man. Yeah. I mean, he, like, he's got so many fucking hits and so much variety. Like, even his, like, he's got, just like on this album, man, he's got pop. He's got soul, R&B. A little bit of rock, man. A little bit of funk. Um, Just about all his albums. He's going to give you some funk. 
but um on top of just being a brilliant musical artist man he was brave and he fought against corporate his his labels and um that was why this existed this symbol the love symbol uh which he copywrote as a love symbol number two and uh he adopted this for his stage name for years from 93 to 2000 uh to protest the treatment by warner brothers uh they steadily re uh, refused to release his back catalog uh, of unreleased music man uh, and they trademarked his his got this was his real name his name is prince yeah. that was his government name and and they uh trademarked his given name for promotional purposes um so yeah this was a, a snap back at that shit, man i remember um, that being a thing for sure because it was kind of like used as a joke when he came out because people were like this is fucking weird he's a his name is this symbol now and shit. but he i remember him doing some interviews and one thing that really is why i loved prince specifically is because a lot of that first batman movie with jack nicholson as joker i mean some of the most iconic scenes in that movie are to Prince music playing during the, you know, the movie, you know, as a whole. So that's why I love yeah. it. Such a dope, like, soundscape to have with some fucking comic book fighting, man. It's like a dream. Like, if you said that to me now, like, Joker, it doesn't have to be Prince, but like, it, this, you know, like, Joker's going to be causing all this mayhem to some rap song you love or so like jay-z songs or some shit it's just like crazy yeah. they were able to get that back in the 90s and it was fucking sick so prince rest in peace dude also purple rain it might not be the best movie but it's worth a watch because it's a it's one of those like time and place things it's like man this is this is a thing now, uh, that following year, 1993, Rudy premiered in theaters. Rudy has always been told that he was too small to play college football, but he is determined to overcome the odds and fulfill his dream of playing for Notre Dame. Directed by David Anspaugh, starring Sean Astin, Ned Beatty, Charles S. Dutton, and Lily Taylor. Um, Sean Astin has quietly created a fucking uh, million, a billionaire filmography. Yeah, and it was through, like, through the decades. I mean, Elijah Wood's crazy. I mean, him and Elijah Wood, like, with Lord of the Rings, they're going to be rich forever. But before that, yeah, they came up like as young kids. And by all, both of those guys, but Sean Aston especially, it seems like he's maybe the nicest person in the world. <laughs> Every time you see him and shit. His mom was Patty Duke. Like, I feel like you, you should, like, your mom... She was on. She was a fucking star back in the fifties and shit. And then his dad is Gomez, his adopted dad, which is pretty fucking cool. Uh, John Aston, the original Gomez, man. That's cool as fuck. I didn't know that. That's fucking cool. I like Sean Aston most. I didn't. I don't know. Rudy never spoke to me as a movie back in the day. I watched it. It was a thing. I don't know. I didn't like it as much, but it is. I mean, as far as football movies go, there's there's ones. This is one of the top ones, and I know it's one that a lot of people fucking love. But I hate Notre Dame. Such, oh, me too. Uh, such a feel good movie, and it was ranked the 54th most inspiring film of all time in the AFI 100 Year Series. Football movies. What's your favorite football movie, Steve? Program. Mine's Any Given Sunday. Ooh, I, damn. That's a toss. It's between those two. 
And I might, yeah, I might say any given Sunday, the, man. The program's fucking good. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's something about any given Sunday, though. Like the visuals of that. There's some scenes in that that are just fucking like when they're in the rain and he's getting, they're getting smacked up and shit. It's really, I mean, it's an Oliver Stone movie, so it's no fucking surprise. Yeah. <clears throat> the, that same day in 1993, the Mighty Ducks win their first NHL game, first official. Yay! That's a thing. I mean, they had, they've been a pretty like they're not a team that's been like a failure team. They they had some moments in hockey. I think I think they've they, done some shit. They won Stanley Cup in our lifetime. All off a of, it's crazy a Disney movie. They were just like fuck it, let's make this shit real. I wouldn't mind having one of those jerseys. It's one of the best yeah. jerseys in sports of all time. Back in the day, I definitely wanted, even though I hate, I didn't give a fuck about hockey. You wanted some shit from that, you know, not even because yeah. of the movie. You just, that is a cool fucking logo. Uh, somebody who probably didn't watch Rudy when it premiered in theaters or the Mighty Ducks win their first NHL game, probably Tiffany Trump. Donald the fifth U.S. President Donald Trump. Look at her. Is that Chanel West Coast? You know who she does remind me of? It, I, it, it's fucking been fucking with me for a while. Uh, <laughs> Stan's wife? Stan's wife on American Dad. Same fucking just uh, overflow of blonde mane. Give it five years. Yeah, exactly. That's her. That's back in the day. You know, when her and Stan first met. That's crazy, dude. That's gross. Fuck her. <laughs> Close up. Like, oh, her breath just fucking stinks like McDonald's, Steve. And dick. <laughs> McDonald's and dick. Here's an excerpt from uh, the play that I'm in called The West Virginians. <clears throat> no, mommy, don't hit me. I got a big dick. <laughs> the West Virginians. And scene. And scene. <laughs> uh, now, in 1995, step by step, they're airing the episode Party Animal. Cody thinks that the new neighbor is a jewel thief from New York. Dana moves into a college dorm, and Carol seems to be the only one who misses her. Karen and Al visit her a week later and are shocked at the change in her. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah, Steve, as we said earlier, this is a Stacey Keenan heavy episode. But shout out to the girl who played Al, because... Al, quietly as a tomboy growing up in this show, became the hottest chick of all of the chicks on the show. So shout out to her. But Stacey Keenan's going wild, Steve. So as I we already covered, you you definitely busted a few times to this. Stacey Keenan could have lived in Bromfield. She definitely could have hung out with the crew because right off the bat, she gets one day off of the teat. And she's going crazy. And I think that kind of mirrors what I did, Steve, or what you and I did. You know, we, we, we got to Bromfield. Maybe we had a lot of good ideas of what college was going to be. And then we were like, you know what? This is boring. Let's fucking get, let's get fired up. Within a month of school starting, Matt, we had our first court case. <laughs> yeah. 
Shout yeah, out to the we, shark though, because you know, you know that you know who we're talking about. I can't remember that. What did we say his name was? Uh, Larry, I think. Uh, Fuck it. That guy didn't like cops and enjoyed getting college kids off of weed charges. So to whoever that guy is, to my guardian angel, thank you. Because <laughs> I got and we enjoyed. And we enjoyed watching you work, Larry the Shark. Uh, he was kind of like the wolf, Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction, in a way. He was like, yeah, you want that off your record? Say less. Sit, shut up. You're not going to. I remember just the terror I felt. Like, I'm going to go to jail. The idiotics, like, looking back, this was completely stupid. But I was like, this well, is yeah, it. We both thought that. This is it. My permanent record, it's gone. This, I'm not going to get a good job. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I walk into that guy's office and he goes, you know what, dude? He's like, wait, what? They put their finger over the peephole? What? And I was like, yeah. Does that matter? And he's like, yeah, don't worry about this. I was like, thank you. But even that I almost fucked up. But anyway, Stacey Keenan, Dana, she's going to move out, Steve. Uh, but that's not how this starts off. We start off with Mark and JT and Cody in the living room. They're hanging out. And uh, JT and Mark are, they're watching something that we think I think is sports. But it turns out they they're, like, they're yeah. like this. You know, they're looking at a lot. There's a lot of movement. And uh, Cody's and like, cheering. what are you guys doing, bro? And they're like watching Baywatch. Because, you know, anytime fucking uh, Pamela Anderson's on screen, there's a lot movement Steve yeah they, they cheer her on every time she runs and Cody's just like you need to meet some real babes bro dude but then they get a knock on the door Steve and then walks who I thought was fucking uh, the pervert from Nickelodeon Dennis Blunden whatever the guy's name is the foot guy but it's not it's just some fat guy he's kind of guidoed out a little bit he's got a sharp suit on he's got some jewelry and cody has this weird reaction because he's behind him and the guy's like i guess their new neighbor tom flynn yeah he's their new neighbor yeah and cody's like he's doing all this crazy shit and they're like what the fuck is going on and they the guy leaves i think and uh or goes into the kitchen right he needs, he needs to use their phone. Yeah. And while he's on the phone in the kitchen, Cody tells them that they need to alert authorities because he saw Tom Flynn on America's Most Wanted last week as a, for uh, being a jewel thief. And uh, he, everybody else, uh, JT and Mark Ass Mark, they buy into Cody's uh, bullshit. And without even checking for receipts or anything, back check. But I think they go and like they're like, okay. And he's in the thing doing like a he's on the phone. And they sneak into their little fucking kitchen, like that that swing door, and they're listening in. And the guy's like, Don't disappoint me. You know yeah. what happened to the last guy that disappointed me. You know, some some vague like He's no longer with us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. So that starts those wheels turning. But again, I, even JT, I mean, you're old enough, bro. Look at Cody. I don't think that's the, you don't, you can't trust that immediately. You know, you got to do a couple of fact checks first. Who lives in a van behind his uncle's house. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we cut to Dana and uh, Suzanne Summers, Carol. Uh, they're boxing shit up. Um, and it's time for Dana to move out, Steve. 
somber. You know, a mother's losing her daughter. She's going off to college. And it seems like, you know, there's going to be some miss. She's going to miss her daughter. But you know who's not going to miss Dana? Everybody else. Everyone. <laughs> they're, they're ready to just, yeah, diminish her existence. Bye. They're, I mean, they're moving around. I mean, they got it all. She's like, I have a few things to pack. They're like, no, you don't. That shit's in the car. Get the fuck out. And let me get the key yeah. while you're at it. Give me the key. It's like, God damn, y'all. Want these pictures of you hanging on the wall, too? Dana yeah. who? Dana what? We're going to burn this shit. Anywho, enjoy college. Um, you know, and Dana's happy to go. And uh, clearly, we're going to see why in a few minutes. Because, uh, you know, I guess Pat Duffy, Carol, the thigh master, they're, uh, you know, they're, what do they call them? Helicopter parents, I guess. You know, they, they keep a close eye on everything. And Dana... She needs to break loose, you know. <laughs> She's a man eater. That's what she is. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Tom's gift that he ordered on the phone, on the Lambert phone, uh, it arrives for uh, his wife's birthday that he got for her, man. And uh, it's a box that says New York cheesecake. And uh, yeah, he, he told the guys that he was getting a gift for his wife. And Cody notices the nice rollie on his on his wrist. And he was like, you know, I'm a sucker for nice jewelry. <laughs> and Cody's like, oh, <laughs> right on, bro. Totally awesome, man. <clears throat> but he's like, he even, again, this guy's putting his foot in his mouth in regards to this. Because he's like, when I see something I want, I get it. Click, click, boom. So Cody's sitting there with this New York cheesecake box. And everyone's like, it says fucking New York cheesecake on it, dude. And Cody's like, yeah, dude, what do you think's in here? Cheesecake? Fucking sucker. <laughs> yeah. And coming back to campus life, uh, we see that Karen and Al arrive at Dana's dorm to visit. And they're trying to see where Dana's at. And uh, lo and behold, Dana makes a grand entrance from upstairs. Uh, she has a blow horn for whatever reason, I guess, to make her presence known. And she slides down the stairs, hops on the table and starts dancing. Uh, Dana's ready. Uh, college life has got her open. She's making out with randos. And now she's officially for the streets. Yeah, I mean, she is uh, she's completely she's a near blackout by the appearance. She doesn't even notice her sisters at first. And then she does. She's like, hey, guys. And they're sober. And it appears, you know, and the other thing that we know, we said about this is that this is supposed to be a dorm. Um, I don't know what dorm this is, but this is like a fucking colonial dorm house thing that's going on. It looks like a sorority house. Um, and Dana is treating it like a sorority house. It, we're about to see, uh, you know, one of those things where maybe she's like on a pool table someplace just blasting, you know, finger blasting for everybody to see. Something's about to happen here, Steve whole life dana's if girls gone wild shows up to wisconsin dana's gonna be the first thing after bum 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 and she's just gonna be her fucking little titties and all out there i mean there's not a lot of meat on these bones steve but she's willing to fucking throw the rotisserie breasts out for the for everybody to see steve you see i caught her by herself just like this in this nature and I was like, yeah, I'm going in for the kill. And then, but before, like, this is sort of mixed in. We're cut back to the house. You know, the, the house is a little more empty. 
kind of because they have gotten rid of Dana, but I forgot they actually had a young kid. They uh, Carol had a baby, so they had like a four-month-old baby, I think. Carol and Frank, they're their only child together. Yeah, yeah, Lily, I believe. Um, but one thing Frank's saying, he's like, "Look," and he's talking to the baby. He's like, "I'm gonna put you to bed, and you're gonna sleep in your bed now, bedroom now, because Daddy needs to get a little fucking action." And it's, it's been, been four, four months, months, Steve. And those balls are not going to release themselves. Yeah. It was shit like this that makes me never want to get married. Like, how the fuck? I mean, it, apparently, in, it's not even that she, you know, she's had this kid for four months, but they have the baby there. She doesn't want to let it sleep away from them. And that's causing some friction. So Frank tries to get the baby out. Carol's like, I can't do it. We can't do this yet. So those balls keep them full babe because they're gonna stay that way for a while so then we cut back to the house and dana it's a problem you know her sisters have seen this she's like you said she's out here this might as well be a girl's gone wild video if we wait five minutes and allow the sensors to just go home we're gonna see some shit um and then i think we just kind of cut you know we don't really see exactly what happens other than dana makes a fool of herself um, and then cut to morning, Dana, you know, we don't even know. We see her, her, uh, sorority sisters or whatnot, cleaning up this palatial estate. And then we see this, uh, they're like, where's Dana? She fucking was crazy last night. Um, and then they look under some trash bags and Dana's sleeping in the trash like D Reynolds, Steve. With pizza uh, stuck on her face. Like, I've seen a- other things stuck on her face. <laughs> That's why the pizza was stuck there, Steve. You don't know. That's an extra topping on there. Some extra cheese. Um, so she's got, she's got, you know, booze, like the stink of just that garbage beer smell. Uh, she's got pizza on her face. She's looking haggard. She's looking like she was a part of like some sort of orgy situation. And then um, in walks her mom. This isn't great. Carol's coming so in. <laughs> uh, she And Carol, I got to say, is looking very, for as, as shitty and trashy as Dana's looking. Carol's looking like she's buttoned down business lady. She's the business bitch right now. And she's coming to check on her kid. Very Claire Huxtable, man. And Dana's like, ah, fuck my face. And like... Her mom obviously is like, Jesus Christ. I mean, I've been there. I, I was sucking dicks back in the day, but this is insane. Uh, but she, Dana's like, I get it. I'm a fuck up. Okay. I know you're coming here to uh, check on me and you want me to move home. And her mom's like, I mean, you look crazy, but this is your decision. So I'm not going to force you to move home. Uh, that's your call. Do you want to stay here? and fucking get glazed like a donut every night and wake up in a trash pile? Or do you want to maybe come home and figure this out? And uh, You know, what's kind of fucked up to me is that Karen and Al snitched on her. It's like, yeah, she she got wild and loose in college. That's what bitches do when they, when they get... Agreed. Off the- One day, Steve, and you catch your fucking sister uh, topless. Because uh, this is the other thing. She has a fucking... Uh, Carol comes with a Polaroid. Not only did... Yeah. Uh, you know, the two girls fucking snitch. They took some uh, photographic evidence and it's Dana swinging like Tarzan on a chandelier with her titties out. Yeah, that's exactly how I found her when we were shooting for Rumble Foreskin. I mean, 
That movie must be, it's it's got to be an epic, Steve. It's almost like a Gilgamesh of pornos, it sounds like. And I support uh, it's, that. It's some of her best work. Well, uh, clearly she got some experience here because she was doing fucking chin-ups on a chandelier with her fucking titties out. So, you know, I we've all, I wish I could have gone to a party like this. Most parties I went to had a bunch of sweaty big dudes from fucking Fremont fucking hanging out and i didn't see a lot of titties but you know it is what you think we can get high off this man what arm wrestle bitch god dude where's we don't have any weed what can we fucking smoke dude can we smoke seeds (laughs) bro i got a i got a car fucking full of seeds bro i would fucking split them and roll them bro you know what's crazy steve I haven't seen a fucking seed in weed in years. Yeah. And actually, I did buy, I did find a seed, and I'm proud. I actually have weed growing right now on my porch. And uh, I think I'm actually going to be able to have say that I've grown weed that I can smoke. Yeah, you never forgot where you came from. I mean, hey, dude. We brownfield blazers for life, Steve. No, but, we- you know... Again, Dana, she's in a rock and a hard place here because she does have a reputation. And I got to also say, from the perspective of her roommates who have lived with her a total of maybe 16 hours at this point, um, you've gotten blacked out. You've made a fool of yourself in front of dozens of people. Um, I'm going to hang. I want this chick to hang out. This is this is a legend in the making, Steve. You know, if, if I was one of the guys at the party, I was like, "Hey, where's that little blonde chick that was getting wild and loose?" She, oh, she don't live here no more. Damn. I, I, you just show up with like eight blunts, and you're like, "Wait, where's Dana at? We were hanging out last night." Show like, some some. She shotgun. had to go. But this is a like a. You're right though. I was like, when I was watching this, I was like, man, well, you know, she needs to make some good decisions. But from the perspective of the guy who went and lived in Bromfield, I mean, you're, there's a lot of debauchery that's going to happen to you in college. It's, like, don't judge it off of the first night. You know, tailor well, it back a little bit. You got to adjust well, the levels, you know? That's why I'm blaming Al and Karen. Karen being a Karen. Y'all, y'all still in high school. Y'all don't get it. And, and watch, they, they'll they go to college and they'll get wild and loose. Like, oh, this is why she was fucking setting her pussy on fire in the first weekend. Yeah, I mean, and Al, the danger of taking uh, Al, who is, I think, like a 15 or 16-year-old chick at this point, onto a college campus. I mean, there's going to, there's an opportunity here for some laws to be broken, Steve. Yeah, very you know? Weinstein-ish. Yes, but and, hey, you know, it is what it is. But you know what does happen, Steve? Dana says... Mom, I think I need to move home. I think I'm done with this whole booze thing. It's been one night. It's enough. TGIF music. Warm embrace. And uh, so, you know, uh, Carol's a good mom. But you know who's not a good relative? Steve Cody. Because what he's done now is he's trying to pull Mark and JT into what I can only call a possible kidnapping uh, charge because they've got it in their head that fucking Tony Baloney next door, Mr. Flynn or whatever, uh, is a real deal Goomba. He's a jewelry thief and they have the fucking evidence right here. And they also 
have this weird fucking trap set that's like a mouse trap thing with a net in that I don't even get how it was rigged, but it got it happened, Steve. He watched enough reruns of Gilligan's Island. He explains yeah. it. It's a very and, uh, A-team-esque thing, you know. It's like there's some hinge someplace. There's a full deal military net waiting for Tony Baloney. So he comes in the door and Cody's like, try set the trap. And they fucking nail his ass. They fucking Scooby-Doo fucking net him. And Mark and JT do this weird fucking like rope fucking thing to the guy. Uh, so they kidnap the guy, fucking, dude. They yeah. kidnap this dude. <laughs> and he's like, guys, what the fuck is going on? Rightfully so. Like, if uh, you're lucky this guy isn't a thug because he might have a gun and just shoot your ass for this. Yeah, that's why he moved to Wisconsin. He's trying to leave that life. Man. Am I a fucking joke to you? He just turns into Joe Pesci and fucking just shoots them all. That's not what happens. He's like, look, maybe he, they go through the cheesecake in front of him. But he's like, this is for my wife. This is, I've got this for her for our anniversary. She loves this cheesecake. And Cody's like, oh, yeah, all right, dude. Again, and he digs through it right in front of the guy. And the guy's like, please don't. It's for my wife, which is, I mean, dude, I'd be fucking yeah. trying to kick these kids. I would be trying to bite yeah. these people. Whatever I could do, Steve. At, at least Mark-ass Mark's side. Uh, you, you could at least, like, Untether wherever side he's holding. He's fucking Mark ass Mark. Yeah, yeah. Tony is like four hundred pounds. Steve, he uh, he always bone those guys. He could just spin and fucking swing those people into Cody probably, and eat the cheesecake. But he's like, you know what, you fucks. I am not a jewelry fucking thief. He gets out eventually because they're like, well, clearly we're an idiot because we trusted Cody. Yeah. And the guy's like, Cody Look, just fucking- oh, I was on fucking America's Most Wanted. Of course you saw me because I run commercials during that shit. And it turns out he wasn't on the show, Steve. He's the president of Hair Club for Men. Yeah. And he's wearing a toupee. Yeah, he's man. And uh, Now, back upstairs, Carol's laid out in bed and she's in her teddy and she's ready to pass out. Pass the fuck out. And uh, she's snoring like a man. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, the struggle is real for Frank. I mean, Frank's, you know, he's getting really good at jacking off, you know? And I think that as somebody who's married, every once in a while, you do have to crank one off. And I've gotten very good at jacking off while not moving very much while my wife's asleep, Steve. So, you know, it is what it is. I feel bad for yourself. <laughs> maybe Maybe try your weak hand one night. Uh, now... That same day, 1995, Blue in the Face premiered theaters. Uh, Brooklyn Cigar Store is a neighborhood hangout in Brooklyn with Augie Wren, played by Harvey Cattell, as the center. Some people are interviewed about Brooklyn, spiced up with statistics on Brooklyn. Uh, directed by Paul Oster and Wei- Wayne Wang and Harvey Wang, starring Victor Argo, Giancarlo Esposito, Michael J. Fox, Jim Jarmusch, Harvey Keitel, Lou Reed, Roseanne, Lily Tomlin, Malik Yoba, Madonna, RuPaul, Keith David, Mira Sorvino. What was it called? It is called Blue in the Face. I do not remember this, but man, the cast list is fucking bananas. Yeah, a star-studded cast, man. And uh, Madonna, um, I mean, to get her on board, that says a lot. Uh, A young Giancarlo Esposito, uh, Lily Tomlin. Is this a comedy? Uh, I mean, 
it appears to be like somewhat of a surreal movie. Hmm. Like they they blend in reality with it because Lou Reed and a couple other people they play themselves. It kind of sounds like um, coffee and cigarettes because it sounds like from the uh, yeah. thing. It's like a bunch of different vignettes that are pieced together. Exactly. Well, Jim Jarmusch is in it, so it might. It, that's not far fetched. But uh, I love me some Harvey Keitel. I just watched Dust Till Dawn the other day, and I there. However many movies I've seen that Harvey Keitel has just been a legit badass in. Uh, it's probably great because he's in it. So. That's something you don't see. I don't know why they don't do it more, but like those vignette movies, because even Coffee and Cigarettes, it maybe wasn't the most exciting movie, but it was cool to just see these like little things that it's almost like sketches that were put together or something. I I do like that kind of movie. You don't get that a lot. Not these days, you don't. Uh, But in uh, 1996, New York Jet Nick Lowry. He breaks the record. Just last week, we were talking about him tying the record. But this week, Nick Lowry breaks Jan Stenerud's NFL field goal record at 374. I mean, I can attest uh, when you have a shitty team, there's nothing like having a great field goal kicker. And it sounds like Nick Lowry was uh, one of the best, Steve. Yeah, man. Like, was he the garbage picking field goal kicking field goal kicker that Tony Danza I, played? Or I thought that was the Eagles. Was that the Jets? I don't know. <laughs> it might be the Eagles. I just remember that. Uh, yeah. and, I remember. You know, but Tony Danza, Angela. <laughs> hey. I got to kick a field goal, Angela. And tonight we're having spaghetti again. <laughs> uh, well, fucking Sean uh, McLowry. Nick Lowry. Help the Steelers out, please. But in uh, 1998, Butter premiered in theaters. Deceit, body heat, and pulsing street beats converge in this explosive story about the music industry. Directed by Peter Gothings Bunch, starring Ernie Hudson, Nia Long, Donnie Wahlberg, Tony Todd, Terrence Howard, Tiny Lister, and Sally Richardson. Man, that Sally Richardson is not talked about enough when it comes to 90s hotties. Sally Richardson. Let me look up Sally Rich. Sally Richardson has a very exotic Ooh. look. She's like... Uh, she looks like Eva some... Longoria. Not Eva Longoria. What was that shit? Eva Mendez. Remember Eva Mendez? I totally do. Um, she's got like... Uh, she's got some Cherokee in her. Um, her her mom... Damn. On her mom's side. Yeah. She is Very exotic. That's crazy. Hell yeah. Man, I've never heard of this either. Got, it's, this has every... I mean, god damn. Even George Clinton's in this shit. <laughs> Jesus. Ernie Hudson Jr., Steve. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Oh, it's not the Ernie Hudson, not Ghostbusters. Ernie Hudson's huh? in it, but Ernie Hudson oh. Jr. is also in it. So this is a family affair in this shit. And it's an action film, man. And uh, it was an HBO original film. Maybe that's why it didn't get the limelight, man. Uh, but it's got a, a young Terrence Howard, man. It's got Candyman, Tony Todd. Tony fucking Todd's up in this. And I got to say, Tony Todd. If I saw this guy, I just, I would have like, I can't see him not as Candyman. And I think I'd freak out. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Tony. Same thing. Like, that's crazy. Even Tommy Lister's in this. Donald Faison's in this. I don't know who Baja Do- 
Jola is, but he's in this shit, Steve. He looks like the Jamaican Baja guy Dolan. from Belly. Might be. Baja Dolan. Uh, but it's got a 4.3 on M-Dub. So, yeah. And you've never seen this? Never seen it. I don't even know if it's available on HBO Max. Uh, given it's a 4.3 on M-Dub, they probably want to just like take it out to the pasture. <laughs> uh, but on that same day in 98, Keith Murray releases his album, It's a Beautiful Thing. And Keith Murray is from the Dev Squad with Red Man and Eric Sermon. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like he kind of came and went in the 90s. Uh, kind of a, a relic of that time. But I listened to the album, man, and it's not bad. Keith Murray. Why do I know? I just know that name. I can't. I have to look him up real quick. You've heard his voice on different tracks. Um, is he a singer or is he a... No, nah, he's a he's a rapper. He, okay. He's a part of the Death Squad. Death Squad put out an album in 98 uh, with Redman and Eric Sermon and Keith Murray. Oh, yeah, dude. Keith Murray. I know the name. But you're the you're the music aficionados. You educate us. You oh, you already have Eric Sermon, Redman. I I can't think of anything uh, oh, specifically that he was on that I know, but I know that I know I if I well, heard it I would. Uh, well, his biggest track I think is uh, on his debut album. The most beautifulest thing in the world is just like that. That was like mid nineties. Um, and then Dev Squad, they did a remake of Rapper's Delight. And, you know, it's like I said, it's Redman, Eric Sermon, and Keith Murray. And, like, you know, they do their parts. Um, hmm. But pro- probably you might have heard him in a collab with um, Redman or somebody else that you listen to on the East Coast. Shout out Keith Murray. I like the most beautifulest thing in the world. That's a great name of a song, though, or album, both. Um, and also in 1998, October 13th, Helta Skelta releases Magnum Force. And uh, Helta Skelta, unfortunately, I did not catch on until it was too late. Um, Helta Skelta is bars, man. I don't know how really? you would describe them. Yeah, man, just real rap. I, they, you could say they are uh, acquaintanced in a Wu Tang vein. I've never I have honestly have never even heard of this one yeah it's uh two guys it's a duo uh Jamal Rock Bush and Sean Ruck Price and Sean Price he passed away a couple of years ago man but just just full of bars uh they're based out of Brooklyn and um the the beat selection on this it's got so it's got features man um and the thing about this album uh when you look for the features it just says helta skelta i hate when albums do that because i'm like man i want to know for sure if it's this artist yeah yeah that is stupid <clears throat> i feel i feel like maybe damn dude i suck at fucking names now there's just one fucking rat who's uh Nas's cousin Oh, God. I'm not talking about AZ. AZ. I think he, is it possible AZ did a song with Helta Skelta? He might've, he might've, man, because on this album, they got Dog Pound uh, with the, that's a dope track. It's called Brownsville to Long Beach. And it's produced by Daz, uh, Method oh, Man. Yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah. 
Anthony Hamilton's even on here. Anthony Hamilton, I bet. How much pussy has that guy gotten? And I don't, I couldn't even, if I walked by him, wouldn't even know what he looked like, Steve. Really wouldn't, unless he had like a night that nice hat on. Yeah, one of his like straw hats or something. I, I like what you're doing, by the way, with the whole white thing. I'm and I'm me over here, like with the whole black thing. Like it's just great. It makes for great podcasting. I don't. I I mean, fuck. I'm a rap of like fan, but goddamn, I don't like some of this just, shit. It's like, how would I even fucking hear about this? Oh no, I wasn't even talking about that. I'm just being facetious. I had to say that at least once in the show because I, I I'll never forget the Tuttle fucker who just had to like kept bringing that up. Like, oh my god! Like, you guys are great. I love it. You, you over there being the black guy, and he's oh, he's the he's the white guy. I was, how do you guys do it? <laughs> my god, you guys hang out. Yeah, <laughs> hot, wow, it's like uh, even, you guys. We put you. We put. Uh, you know, there's a separation where I'm from, and also this chick I'm with. She's fucking some guy. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. You're you're like uh, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder over there. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. I didn't forget. Sorry, Tuttle. I didn't forget about you, but I forgot about that, the weirdness. There was some weirdness was... there. Also, don't ever give me an invite. And not tell me to not click the invite to get into the meal. <laughs> like, don't get pissed when I just give me some instruction. You know, you fucking son of a bitch. Any callbacks, honorable mentions, or ringworms, sir? Uh, callbacks. Um, let me think, Steve. Uh, I just have to say again, the in living colors, every time we watch this, we've never even watched a bad episode of the show. There's been episodes of shows that we've watched that have been complete trash, shit, bullshit. And, uh, was there ever a bad episode of in living color? Cause I don't think so. I'm on record. I mean, like, not all the skits were hitters probably but like man we pick some with some it's just crazy how many like recurring things that you even forget about it's been a while you know but then you like watch this it's like every one of these kept going and going it just had legs they were good at writing it's it's fucking wild dude shout out to fucking in living color i wish to god that somehow we could get that back and it's as good as it originally was they tried to redo it i think and get a new cast just, and shit. It's just never gonna happen, you know. It just wasn't the same, man. And um, the what about only you, thing Steve? I got, yeah, the, the only thing I got, man, in 1998, Moesha. Uh, she has a episode. Uh, Moesha. Well, no, was that the same year? Because I got different Moeshas, I believe. Mo to the, e to the, o to the. Marijuana affects the memory. Never mind. Never fucking mind. Mo- Moesha, well, she had an episode called Homecoming, and, and that, that's all I got. Uh, I thought it was a different episode. Um, Steve, uh, shut the fuck up. Uh, oh, but don't do that, Steve. You're the you're the glue, Steve. Without without you, this would just be another white guy with a podcast. You know, Tuttle, he nailed it. We figured out the formula. Yeah. Yeah. You're the black guy. I'm the white guy. This is this yeah. is it's a tale as old as time, Steve. Yeah, this is musty TV. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> befog your glasses, fucking Tuttle down here in Florida. Jesus, man.
please like, share, subscribe, and comment. Uh, ask your sister, does she still want to talk to us? Check out Over the Culture on Sunday with me, Crush Guys and with Kendra on Wednesday. B3F Podcast with Joey and Steve. And don't worry, be movie with Amanda and Wade. Y'all be cool. This is Steve G and Maggie with Happen in the That's what it's all about. Guns and butter, baby.